0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor JD Farrakh.
1: One becomes an enemy of the cross when they're unduly influenced by the world and have this insatiable appetite for the things of the world. You know, you can actually change what you crave. In the physical sense, and so too is this true in the spiritual
0: sense. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Do you crave all the things this world has to offer? Nowadays, there are plenty of distractions all around us, things that appear attractive, but they only end up to be fleeting. In today's message, Pastor J.D. references many times in Scripture how dangerous it can be if you value the things of this world over God. The only one who will truly satisfy is the one true God. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Philippi and by the Spirit says, verse 17, join together in following my example. Brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, verse 18, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is, is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things." So I want to talk about a powerful life principle that I believe, for the most part, is dismissed as being inconsequential or unimportant in the life of a Christian. And what I'm speaking of is the influence of role models in our lives and the power they have to determine the fate of our lives. To me this is something that we as Christians don't really pay enough attention to. We don't really realize how it is that those that we see as role models, as examples, those people that have this dominant influence in our lives can actually determine the future destiny of our lives. I know that's a pretty strong statement, but so is what Paul stresses here in our text today, and rightfully so. He's actually telling the church there, the Christians in Philippi, to follow his example. That's pretty bold. Wouldn't you agree? (laughs) When I think about telling somebody to follow my example, it's more like this. Do as I say, not as I do. Come on, isn't that what we tell our kids? <laughs> the problem with that is, it's not so much what's taught, it's what's caught. I'll never forget when my 11-year-old daughter, Sabia, was younger, and she started imitating my hand gestures. <laughs> and one particular time I was getting a little bit exercised over something I was seeing on the news at the time. And I was, you know, I've repented since then, so, but I was <laughs> yelling at the TV, you know, how, how could you be so blind? And I looked over at my precious, young, innocent offspring, only to see her, you know, doing one of these.
2: And I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done?
1: The Apostle Paul Takes it even further in verse 17. He doesn't just say, Follow my example. He says, Just as they have them as a model to keep their eyes on, they are to live as they do. Live how you see me live. Do what you see me do. Walk with Christ as you see me walk with Christ. I'm the example. I'm the influence in your life as an example for your life. You know what Paul's doing here? He's setting himself up and holding his life up as an example of living a life that is completely Devoted to the Lord. It's Psalm 86. It's a prayer of David. What a psalm, man. David talks about his heart not being divided. It's an undivided heart. It's a heart that is loyal to, close to, following hard after God's own heart. And that's what David was. As the sweet psalmist of Israel, he was a man who had a heart after God's own heart, not a divided heart. Listen to what he says in his first epistle of the Corinthian church, chapter 11, verse 1. He sort of qualifies what he's saying to the Philippians. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ in other words, imitate me. Imitate me. Do the things that I do. Now, lest one think that Paul's kind of being a little bit full of himself, maybe in his own self-righteousness. I mean, the audacity to say to someone, hey, follow my example, this is the standard this is the gauge my life this isn't self-righteousness this is not pride or arrogance the reason Paul says what he says is because of what he says in verses 18 and 19 and when you first read the text as we just did you can almost miss it but it's there and not just there but throughout many of Paul's epistles, even in the book of Acts, concerning how Paul cried a lot. I don't know how else to say it. I think of Acts chapter 20, where Paul very openly, very honestly says that he would cry day and night, all day, every day, all night, every night for three years. You know why? Because he knew that after he would depart from the churches that he planted, of which Philippi was one, that there would come from within their midst these wolves in sheep's clothing, and they would not spare the flock. You have to understand something about the Apostle Paul. He was a strong man, certainly, strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not in his own strength. He would boast in his weakness, because when he was weak, that's when he was strong, not in himself, in the Lord. But this was a very passionate man. And I would submit a very sensitive man, who had a heart after God's own heart as well. The things that broke his heart were the things that he knew broke the heart of God. And what breaks the heart of God is when people are led astray. And this was the one thing that really got to the Apostle Paul. With tears in his eyes, tears streaming down his face, I imagine him praying with what Charles Spurgeon calls liquid prayers. You know what I mean by that? I mean... Not even words, just tears. Moans and groans, weeping and wailing, oh God. What was he weeping over? Well, this might come as a surprise, but he was weeping over what we're told are the enemies of the cross. And lest you think that he's talking about the non-believer, think again. This is written to the church. I mean, doesn't that make sense that it would be? Yes, Paul had a heart for the loss, but he's writing this letter to the church. I think about when he wrote to Timothy about what will mark the last days. Perilous times will come. And he goes on to list 19 markers and characteristics of what's going to happen in the last days. He's not talking about the world. I don't know where we get off on expecting the world to live like they're regenerated. They're not. This is an admonition, an exhortation, a rebuke to the believers who have become enemies of the cross. And this broke Paul's heart to see those claiming to walk with the Lord living as an enemy of the Lord, as Christians. How is that possible? Well, listen to what James says in chapter 4, verse 4. He says, you adulterous people. He's talking to Christians. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What is he he saying here? He's saying, Christian, be very, very, very careful. If you get too chummy, too cozy, too friendly with the world and the things of the world and the ways of the world, you have the potential to become an enemy of God, an enemy of the cross. As a Christian, you are putting yourself at odds with God by becoming too friendly, too comfortable with the world. Are you saying that it's actually possible for Christians to become an enemy of God? No. God's word says that. not trying to be clever or cute or coy. This is what God's word says. Matthew's Gospel chapter 16 verses 24 through 26. Jesus is replying, responding to his disciples, in particular Thomas. And he says this, "If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, oftentimes, we'll quote verse 24, and we'll just stop there, but listen to what he says next. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. Or he asks, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Here's what I'm thinking, and stay with me on this. Here's what an enemy of the cross says. Live for yourself. Jesus says, pick up your cross and die to yourself. In fact, you cannot be His disciple if you do not pick up your cross, deny yourself, and die to yourself. Well, that's pretty strong. It needs to be. Do you know what's at stake here? I would submit that one becomes an enemy of the cross when they're unduly influenced by the world and have this insatiable appetite for the things of the world. You know, you can actually change what you crave in the physical sense, and so too is this true in the spiritual sense. How many of us have done that whole protein thing where you kind of eliminate sugar and starch and carbohydrates? I know when I've done that in the past, you kind of lose the that sweet tooth that you once had. And it always hits. What is it about the nighttime when that <laughs> sweet tooth hits and you have these fantasies about, I think this is going to be in heaven. Butterfinger ice cream. Yeah. But, again, stay with me. I'm sorry for the, the silliness of the comparison and illustration, but I think you get the point. The more you do something, the more you crave it, the more you develop an, an appetite for it. I think of this proverb, and I can't, uh, because of my uh, brain damage, can't recall uh, the chapter and verse, but it basically goes something like this. What you pursue pursues you. The idea being, if you pursue righteousness, righteousness will pursue you. You pursue wickedness, wickedness will pursue you. What you pursue pursues you. And so what happens is we start dabbling in and getting comfortable with the things of the world. We partake at the world's table, with what the world has to offer, and then we begin to develop an appetite for it. I believe this is why in verse 19 Paul says, their God is their belly. He's speaking to those appetites, those worldly appetites, those carnal appetites. He also says, their mind is set on earthly things, not on heavenly things. I think about what Isaiah says, that blessed is the man, happy is he whose mind is stayed on thee. Again, I can't wait to get to chapter 4. We're going to deal very specifically with the power of the mind in verse 8, where Paul lists the things that we're to think on. The proverb says, as a man thinketh, so is he. We are what we think. And that is the battleground, by the way. And so Paul is hitting it head on here. And he says, the ones who are enemies of the cross have become enemies of the cross because their mind is earthly. Their thoughts are worldly. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. And here's the thing, and this is what's at stake. Ultimately, in the end, it leads to destruction. There is a way, the proverb says, that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. And, and, and here's what that looks like and even sounds like. How can something that feels so good be so wrong? Listen, sin is pleasurable for a season. But in the end it's a bitter end it might seem right it might feel right it might look right it might even sound right but it's not I'm personally of the belief that one of the most subtle dangers in the life of a Christian is carnal and worldly influences and the reason I say it's subtle is because whether we realize it or not, we're all following someone's example. Whether we realize it or not, not we're following the example of someone in our lives who we've allowed to have that influence over our lives. It's not a question of, whether or not I'm following someone's example, it's are they a godly or an ungodly example? To whom have I given that role of having this dominant influence in my life? Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 and 34, the Apostle Paul says, Do not be misled. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. And then he says this, very strong, it almost echoes the strength of what he says to the Philippians. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning. Again, this is to Christians. And what do we know to be true about the Corinthian church? They were a carnal Christian church, given over to carnality and worldliness. And he's he's pleading with them, come to your senses. Stop, stop, stop. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. You have to understand something. In the Middle East, (laughs) in Arabic, it's, shame on you. It's like the ultimate in the Middle East to this day to say to somebody, shame on you. And that's what Paul's saying. Shame on you. Come to your sense. What are you thinking? Oh, (laughs) I'm trying to evangelize them. No, you're not. Nice try. You think that you're the one who is influencing? I'm sorry to tell you, you're the one that is being influenced. In Second Chronicles chapter 10, we have this interesting account of how bad company can corrupt good character. We're known by the company we keep, right? Have you heard that expression, if you lie down with dogs, you come up with fleas? That's the best I've got. So if you don't like that, I'm sorry. You'll <laughs> had somebody tell me that actually once. And it was really interesting. It was when I was in the car business many, many years ago, and I had befriended a gypsy, and uh, I did business with him. It was kind of interesting. Some of the harshest criticism came from well-intentioned brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, how could you? Well, I was an example to him. I had an influence on him.
0: Thanks for tuning in today to In Spirit and Truth, Join us next time to continue studying the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, along with Pastor J.D. You'll learn how modeling your life after Jesus will change how you interact with people around you, and why it's important to show the world the love and grace of Christ. As His light shines through you, people will begin to wonder why, and it just might lead to conversations that can change a life forever. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so come be part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. If you're in the area, you're invited to come join us in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe for our weekly worship services. We get together every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth time of Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's in inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home having a supportive and biblically based church family is an incredible asset in your faith experience as well as a place where you can be a blessing to others that's all the time we have for today thanks again for joining us for this edition of in spirit and truth
2: holy me true to